appreciate so much. Um, thank you, Pastor Johanna. Man, I've touched my heart today. Appreciate it. Love you. Um, I'm going to let you go ahead and be seated. I'm not going to read. Some, I'm going to read scriptures in a moment, but uh, we're just going to get into the Word this morning. Amen. Uh, I entitled this: "Are We Heading into the Great Tribulation?" And uh, the reason I did that is because if you follow on any kind of social media, particularly Facebook and some of the other ones, uh, here lately that has just been the uh, the theme of a lot of people. And uh, this has been one of the toughest uh, years, I'll say a, a couple of years, right, uh, in, in our lives, all of our lives. Uh, many of us have lost uh, people that we love dearly uh, due to this disease that two or three years ago we never even heard of and uh, uh, they say over four million people worldwide have died from this and uh, you know it, so it's been real challenging and so some people they see all this going on I'm not really your current events kind of preacher deal but when you see all the things that's happening uh, rumors of war Afghanistan and so it just seems like a lot of times people are just, they get, they get afraid. They start flooding the, the uh, social media with, with all these things. And, and I'm probably going to, I know I'm not, I'm going to say some things that if you've been raised like I was in traditional uh, denominational church, uh, you and I were taught and told a certain thing or a certain uh, schedule of events. It varies somewhat. Uh, I remember when I was uh, much younger and actually just about to be uh, married, and this would have been in the early, uh, we got married in 1980, but in, uh, around that time I remember being invited by a guy to a particular meeting, I won't call the church, and, and of course uh, it was a several night meeting and a guy was there with uh, maps and charts and pointers and, and uh, he was telling us about you know the evil of Russia and China and and really just convinced most of us there that the Lord was going to come back and return before 1984 and it was a real popular uh, teaching and uh, and man he talked about the Antichrist and this and that and all the things that was going to accompany that and uh, of course 1984 came and went and the Lord didn't come and then right on the heels of that, we had this guy that was a NASA engineer, Bible scholar uh, supposedly, and he wrote a book called 88 Reasons That Jesus Will Return in 1988. If you read it, don't raise your hand. It's not nothing wrong if you did read it, but he sold over four and a half million copies. Uh, you can still buy it, it's my understanding, on Amazon today. Brother's still making money. Um, but he wrote that book, and he, and he actually is quoted in the book as saying that the only way that I could be wrong about this is if, if the Bible is wrong. That's pretty bold, isn't it? He said he would bet his life and everything, you know, and that's how sincerely he believed what he felt like his revelation was. But, of course, 88 came and went, and Jesus did not return. Then on the heels of that, he wrote another book called On Borrowed Time and made more money off of the gullible. And people that wanted to hear what this guy had to say, uh, you would think that one copy would be enough from hearing from the guy. And, and this is uh, why that eschatology, you may or not have heard that word, but it's just a fancy word uh, for the end times, the, the latter days or, or end times is really what that word means. And uh, it's, a, it's a subject that is very susceptible to abuse. And um, the, the speaker, I remember on that night that I went to that meeting, man, he painted a very bleak future. Uh, basically, if you're a Christian, what he was telling us, in other words, Lord's, you know, return is imminent. Uh, you know, he's going to come before you maybe can get to your car. Uh, I remember that what that did to me, and my wife would attest to this, and I really kind of hate admitting that that's the influence that it had on my life as a young married guy who was a believer at that time, not a preacher. But every year I would, we would put up the Christmas decorations after Christmas, and I would say, well, this will be the last year we ever take these out. 
And I was so sincere with that. And my wife would tell you, that's how much I believed the Lord was going to return that quickly because that's all I ever heard. I heard he's going to come back before we can get to the car. Now, let me be clear on something. The Lord is going to return, okay? Uh, but you and I don't know when that is. And neither does anybody else, no matter how loud they holler or, you know, say that they do, they don't. And uh, this guy, you know, painted a very bleak future for really even the believers. A really bleak future for if you were a non-believer. But if you were a believer, what you had to look forward to was getting your head chopped off. And if you didn't get your head chopped off, you know, you know by the Antichrist, uh, then you would have to take his mark and you were doomed for hell anyway. So, uh, and, and it was just, and then he talked about the Great Tribulation, and he went into horrific detail to describe all that would be going on. And we left the meeting feeling all encouraged and blessed. Not really. Uh, and then, you know, as we, we see the grace of God, and God promises us so many times uh, uh, hope and a future. And yet, how do you reconcile the message of God's grace with this horrific message that a lot of Christians have bought into? And, and I, let me just say this, and I don't mean this arrogant or mean or like I'm the smartest guy in the room, okay? Uh, but I'm getting a little bit older, and I have studied the Bible almost every day of my life for many, many decades. And that still doesn't make me a theologian or an expert, but I want to say this. I've not made some casual look at the scripture. And, and I want to say this, when it comes to eschatology, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but you didn't come up with your eschatological belief based on your study of the Bible in your lap. In other words, you didn't read the Bible and you came to that conclusion on your own. Now, you might as well say amen, that's the truth. You, you didn't. You listened to a person teach something, a certain and they said, this is going to happen, after this, this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and you bought into it, and you believed it, and, and you grabbed a hold of it, and you say, well, that's the way it's going to be, because that guy said, that's the way it's going to be. And then another guy hears that guy teach that, and then he repeats it, and he repeats it, and before long, you know, we've said it so often that it almost sounds true. And, 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 but, you, but, but I don't know of any, personally, any Christian that, you know, just you, you, when I say your average Christian, that have come up, they, they hadn't sat down with the Bible and come up with that. They, they didn't arrive at their, their belief of the end times and what's going to happen. They didn't come up with that just because they were sitting at their home with the Bible open, reading it, and they arrived at that decision. Somebody told them that's how, what it's going to be. Would you at least grunt amen on that for me? I mean, it doesn't make us evil. It's, it's just the truth. And, and so that's how I live my life, listening to these guys. And that's what they say is going to happen. And they, you know, said this is the way it's going to be. And these are the events. And this is what's going to happen. And, and I remember thinking, you know, I really, because they told, you know, told us we were in the last of the last days. We were in the end of the end times. And I really kind of, I said, it, it, this kind of stinks really that I'm a Christian on this time period. It had been better to be a Christian 100 years ago. You wouldn't be having to deal with all this. And, uh, and then you got all the arguments that people get into, you know, and, uh, but you got to remember that the Bible talks about the coming of the Lord. Now, how many knows he's already came to earth, you know, his first coming, as far as his advent, we call it. And he was born in Bethlehem. He came. Uh, but, and, and I, wanna, I almost want to say this, and this, this throws some people off, but there's comings of the Lord. The Bible speaks of at least five different comings, literal comings of the Lord. If you throw in the folks that believe certain things about the rapture, you got to make it six. Uh, because see, one time he comes midair, and then one time he comes back and, you know, and actually touches down on the earth, and you got to count both of them. Uh, think about this. In the Bible, this is what was going on when Jesus made his appearance. The Old Testament prophet Micah had prophesied in the Bible, in the book of Micah, that the Messiah, now the, the Jews have been looking for the Messiah for centuries. And so they're, they're looking forward to the Messiah's arrival. And, and there's a lot of debate going on where he's coming. And then we have prophets prophesying where he's going to show up and where he's going to be from and what his characteristics will be. Well, Micah prophesied that he would come out of Bethlehem of Judea. And then uh, after him, we've got Hosea, and he prophesies in the Bible, in Scripture, he prophesies that the Messiah will come out of Egypt come out of Egypt 
And then we've got multiple prophets that are alluded to in Scripture that are prophesying that he will come out of Nazareth because he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, can you imagine the arguments in those three camps, how they argue over who's right, who's wrong. So we've got one guy prophesying uh, Bethlehem, one guy prophesying he's coming out of Egypt. And by the, don't forget that Egypt was an enemy to the, to the Jewish nation of Israel, by the way. And then we've got people saying he's going to come out of Nazareth, which is a place that, you know, the scripture said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That was like coming out of the slums. They didn't, they didn't look fondly upon Galilee at all. And now you and I can look back on that time and we can realize what? That they all three were absolutely point on. Right? They all three, because we forget that prophecy is you don't have the whole deal. I don't care who you are. The New Testament says we see in part and we do what? We prophesy in what? Part. It's like you holding a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. You, you don't have the whole picture. You don't even know what the picture is. You just have one piece, and God's only given you one piece. And even in the gifts of the Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, it says the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, not, not the paragraph of knowledge, not the book of knowledge. Like when you go to see a lawyer, the lawyer don't tell you everything he learned. He's going to speak to you specific about what your problem is. It's kind of the way that God uses the gifts in our life. And until we all put our peace on the table, I mean, if we would all do that and trust God, then we would get a big, clearer picture of what's going on. Now, uh, you know, fear-based eschatology is extremely dangerous. And, and, and my heart as a, as a pastor of grace, that, that preaches the grace of God, we're saved by grace. That makes it extremely important, okay? But yet we're saved by Jesus, and Jesus is grace, and he's not a teaching, and he's not a theology, he's a person. And, and he is the grace of God manifested, come full and full of glory. So, but, but, but fear-based eschatology, if you buy into this stuff, now I'm telling you, not only is it going to torment you with fear and trepidation, and, and, and you're like, why in the world do I even have kids? Or, or you know, if God's going to come before I can get to the car, why do I go to college? Why worry about getting married? Why advance my career? You know, and it'll put you in a mode where you just you just waste your life. Imagine me in the early 80s if I just, if I, you know, and I'm, I'll tell you, I was about bought into it. I was like, why go to college? Why, why, why do this? Why do that? Because the Lord's going to come back before I could ever even get out. I, I, I know it sounds stupid, but I actually remember when I was 14 years old going to church, hearing preachers preach that any second rapture is going to happen. And, you know, they were saying, he, you know, he was supposed to come yesterday kind of deal. And I remember actually as a young believer who got saved at 12, praying to God and say, please don't come back now. I did because I said I want to get my driver's license. I want at least to know what it is to drive, you know. So don't come back now because I want to, I don't think y'all got no cars up there, so I want to, you know, be able to drive. So, Lord, you know, I was saying even so, don't come quickly. <laughs> I remember praying that as a kid. Just hold off, God. I mean, I'm almost 16. Come on. But that's, I'm telling you, that's how, what an influence and in, uh, how this had affected uh, my belief. And, and, and what it does is it, it, it binds us that are supposed to be free. And, 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 it, and, it, and it, it makes the church really look foolish to the world. Because we got these guys putting posters. I remember seeing the billboards down in Florida, the guy setting the date, you know, several years ago, you know, and he had them all over the country. And, and people ride by that that don't have a paradigm for church belief. And they see that, and they're like, church people are just the nuttiest people on the planet. And sometimes I agree with them. Uh, it, it, it distorts the gospel. It, it portrays God as something other than a, a loving Heavenly Father who has a great future planned for you and for your children and for your children's children. And if you buy into this doom and gloom, and I'm telling you, it has flooded. In the past seven days, my, you know, <laughs> it just flooded it. And I guess one reason I was telling Pastor Hunter this morning, I'm friends with so many pastors that have befriended me or whatever on Facebook. And, uh, but man, you know, most of these guys, it's just doom and gloom, and it's all going to hell in a handbasket, and, and, and it's, you know, but if you buy into this, I want to promise you this. You, you're going to be a very bad advertisement for the Lord Jesus. And, and, and you're going to be a very bad advertisement and a promoter of God's grace. Because it's hard to lick both sides of the stamp. You know what I mean by that? I mean, instead of, instead of us shining in the dark places, then what happens to us is we just say, well, you know, all this bad stuff, 
it has got to, you know, happen before Jesus can return. So we might as well, you know, kind of let it happen, let the world go to hell in a handbasket because that's what it's going to do anyway. Now, I just want to say this to you because this is a whole other message. But the Bible never says that the world's going to get worse and worse. <clears throat> it does, that's not in the Bible. It never says the world is going to get worse and worse before the Lord comes back. It doesn't say that. Some of you right there sitting there going, I don't believe that guy. I think it does. Well, it don't. It says men. Men shall wax worse and worse. Men. Not the world. Now, the world as a whole, you can say whatever you want to, your lives are better than they used to be. You have more. And I realize third world and stuff like that. I understand that everybody's not on equal turf here. But as a general rule, the world's better off now than it was 100 years ago. Thank you for that holy silence. Uh, see, if we buy into all this, all we want to do is hunker down and, and wait for the rapture. I remember being so infused with rapture theology, and I listen, the Lord is coming. By the way, the word rapture is not in the Bible. That don't freak me out. The word trinity is not in the Bible, and the word Bible is not in the Bible. So I'm good, okay? But it just means the catching away of the saints. And the Lord is going to return. Don't make no mistake. He's going to return, but he's not going to return on your time clock. See, I grew up under a lot of false teaching and stuff. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times they just was doing it the best they could and they were doing it out of ignorance. But I was raised, you know, in a, in a Pentecostal, I guess, slash maybe charismatic but environment. You know, and, and we just had to work for everything. We had to pray for a breakthrough. We, you know, we had to, you know, pray to price, uh, all those sayings, which is none of that. Uh, I, I grew up thinking that, you know, the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts chapter 2 was because they just kind of, you know, hung in there and God finally said, well, let me help them out a bit. But you, we miss so many nuances right there in writing, in Scripture, and Acts 2 and 1 says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. God wasn't, you know, they were in the upper room and they were up there 10 days and they were fasting and praying and begging God to send his spirit. No, they weren't doing none of that. They could have been playing Monopoly and the Holy Spirit would have showed up. <laughs> they could have been playing Monopoly and not pray to lick. And on the day of Pentecost, which is one of the seven feasts of the Lord, God's calendar, by the way, that he's working off of, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, then the Holy Spirit that God promised was sent when he promised to send him. Had nothing to do with him hanging out 10 days praying and fasting. They could have been eating biscuits and slopping cornbread, and God would have still showed up with the Holy Spirit because it ain't based on your performance or mine either. It's based on him. And, and, and he said when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God's got a calendar that he still has always worked off of. Now we talk about that and it's coming up in the days that I'll do one Sunday teaching on the feast of the Lord because it's extremely important. Because there were seven major feasts. God has fulfilled four of those. We only have three left. He's, he's filled those four uh, exactly according to his calendar. Not There's nothing haphazard at all about God. There's nothing arbitrary about God. I mean, God's not going to, I mean, God's going to do his first event. He came at a certain time. He came in, in congruence with the feast, and his second event will be the same way. God's not going to fulfill four of his feasts and then ignore the last three and go where well, they're not important. The last three are extremely important, and God will operate according to his time span and his calendar that he's working off of. And, uh, but, you know, no end time sermon that these guys preach is complete without a reference to the, I'll just call him the eschatological boogeyman. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the Antichrist. And I've seen so many posts this past week even. You know, the Antichrist is about to be revealed. The Antichrist is, is coming. And, 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 and if you don't know who the Antichrist guy is, uh, man, he is, he is evil incarnated. Um, he's in league with the devil. He's your worst nightmare. And he's going he's gonna, to, he's going to, take over a one-world government, and he's going to start persecuting and killing Christians, and it's just going to be, you know, just a horror movie in the flesh. Um, now, I just want to say some things to you today. Uh, you know, like, who, who is this Antichrist guy? Well, first off, the Bible never teaches about him being a person. Okay, and listen to me. The word Antichrist, the word in the Bible is four times. 
It only says it four times. 1 John chapter 2, look in verse 18, and I'm just going to show you the four times that it's in, from Genesis to Revelation, the word Antichrist appears four times in your Bible. Okay? In, in 1 John 2 and 18, now this is John. He's the only guy that even mentions this guy or this spirit. And, and so John's writing an epistle, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Okay? John, in all this epistle, the three epistles, in context, is dealing with a false teaching that has invaded the first century church called Gnosticism. And that's what he's going after in these three epistles. And he says in verse 18, little children, it's the last hour. Now John says over 2,000 years ago it was the last hour. Okay? So just calm down. Okay? And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, he says even now, 2,000 years ago, many Antichrists, plural, have come. John said they already come. See, the church is looking for him to come. They get all excited. I remember when the church I grew up in, people, you know, often, many Sundays, there'd be somebody standing at the back door and handing out leaflets. They'd figured out how the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast was going to happen. Oh, my God, when they put in scanners at the grocery stores, our church went berserk. Our church lost their minds. Oh, that's how, oh, that, oh, that's how it's going to be right here. Scanning them beans, scanning, here we go. We figured it out. So don't go to the grocery store, it's got scanners. Well, that didn't last long because pretty much everybody got them pretty quick. Okay? Bible says, look down in verse, uh, look in, let's read verse 21. He said, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Now, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? The word Christ means Christos. Christ is not Jesus' last name. His full name is not Lord Jesus Christ. Christ means Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, Satan is never anti-Jesus. Because Jesus can't save anybody unless he's the Christ. A lot of folks would name Jesus in the Bible. I've met a few around about Austin named Jesus. They can't save me neither. Okay? So Jesus, Satan's not anti-Jesus. He'll let you play Jesus all you want to. But it's the Christ. Christ is what's in you, the hope of glory. If any man be in Christ, then that man's a new creation. Not if any man be in Jesus. I'm not separating the two, but I'm just saying what makes Jesus Jesus or that is, is he's God's anointed one. He is the one that was resurrected from the dead. He is the Christ. He is God's Messiah. And it says, who's a liar but who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. He said, John said, this is what Antichrist is. It's anybody that denies the Father and the Son. And so 1 John chapter 4, we've already looked at two times in the Bible where the word Antichrist appears. 1 John chapter 4, same guy, same epistles. Here in, in the 1 John 4, he says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Okay? And this is the spirit of what? Antichrist. And he said, You have heard that was coming. But he said, I want to tell you now is already in the world. John said the Antichrist was there 2,000 years ago. Church is trying to figure out who this guy is and looking for him. John said it was 2,000 years ago. He's already here. He said, many Antichrist. Uh, he said, now don't worry about him in verse 4 because you are God, little children. And, he, he, and you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. That, that phrase, he who is in you is greater than he is in reference to the Antichrist spirit. He said, don't worry about him because greater is he that's in you than all of that. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. Last time the word Antichrist appears in your Bible. John says again, many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. There it is. Four times the word appears. And in every context and in every time, it's not talking about a one world ruler. It's not talking about the boogeyman. None of that. That's all over the church and all over the web and all over the Facebook, but it's not in your Bible. I don't know if you care about what's in the Bible, but if you do, it's going to change your belief system. 
okay? Now, now who, who is this Antichrist? He gets so much press. He's believed to be a charismatic figure. He's going to take over the world. Uh, when, when I was a kid, everybody knew that the Antichrist was, was uh, Henry Kissinger. See, some of y'all ain't old enough to remember that. But everybody in our church had him figured out is Henry Kissinger. He is the Antichrist. And, and, and so we was pretty much, you know, set on that dude being the Antichrist. And, uh, and then there was this guy with this rock band called the Sex Pistols. His name's Johnny Rotten. And he actually went public and said he was the Antichrist. So we changed over to him. Because he said he was. And he would know. And then we had him as the Antichrist for a long time. And then, and then Marilyn Manson came out and said she was the Antichrist. So then we moved it over to her. And then Harry Potter come out and we just knew he had to be the Antichrist. <laughs> and then somebody had to tell the church that that was a... Um, Fictional figure, not a real dude. Um, I can't tell you how many teachings I said in, in church where the speaker was trying to convince me that the Pope, whichever Pope was on duty at that time, was the Antichrist. And just teaching after teaching that the Pope's the Antichrist. He's the one. Look at how the people worship him. Look how they pray to him. He's the, he's got, he's the Antichrist. And it just goes, and the list just keeps going on and on. And the church just acts crazy. The Antichrist in popular culture is gets a lot of press. Uh, he has a huge grip on the imagination of not only the church, but people outside the church. And, and so I, if you search Amazon, um, by the way, my book is on Amazon, if you, you know, miss hurting church. Uh, but if you search Amazon uh, and you put in the word Antichrist to find out how many books are on Amazon that you can purchase that talk about Antichrist, there's 4,893 books on the Antichrist on Amazon. Enjoy. You understand you could fill a school library with books about the Antichrist, there's more books up on Amazon about the Antichrist than there are about the Apostle Paul. And there's far more books about the Antichrist there are on Amazon than there are books on Amazon about the gospel of grace. Well, what's wrong with this picture here? Something, something bad wrong. Now, if you look at two of the top Christian magazines of today, two of those are Christianity Today and the other is Charisma Magazine. These are big sellers. Charisma, uh, well, Christianity Today, which is more denominational, fundamental type people taking that one, you non-Pentecostal charismatics, 452 times in the last little over a year have they published articles about the Antichrist. If you look at Charisma, they've had 7,400 so if you're a Charisma magazine reader, you have been getting dosed on article after article about the Antichrist. Here is some of the titles that was in Charisma. Who is the Antichrist? What is his agenda? How do we avoid worshiping the Antichrist? How can, another one, how can we fight the Antichrist? Uh, how is the Antichrist spirit active in global politics? And it just goes on and on and on. And if you read this stuff, as a believer, you're going to conclude that Antichrist is about to be revealed. I mean, he's, he's about to, I mean, I've seen him this way. He's about to step on the scene. And I just read for you where John said he was on the scene 2,000 years ago. That spirit is what it is. Uh, but if you read, you know, if you read the Bible instead of all those magazines, you, you're going to come away with a totally different view of the end times and your future. Uh, the the Antichrist in Scripture, again, four times. And I know I'm belaboring that point, but I want that to sink in. Now, you would think a, a, a thing as important as the Antichrist, you know, other people would talk about it other than this one guy named John. You know how many times Jesus spoke about the Antichrist? None. 
not one time. Now, if you're a red-letter Christian and you believe in just preaching what Jesus preached in the red letters, you'll never mention the Antichrist because he's not in the red letters. You know how many times the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote most of the New Testament, mentioned the Antichrist? None. Not one time did he mention it. You know how many times the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, the Apostle Jude, who all wrote for mentioned the Antichrist? None. Well, these brothers dropped the ball on us, man. You know how many times the word Antichrist appears in the book of Revelation? Help me, y'all. I've already told you that. None. <gasps> you mean the Antichrist ain't even mentioned in the book of Revelation? Not one time. Not one time. But you know what people, they'll point the verse and say, that's who he's talking about there. That ain't what the Bible says, though. They'll go to Daniel and they'll say, you know, the little horn in Daniel that rises up, that's the Antichrist. It ain't what it says, dude. That's your opinion. I can go and say that sheep out in the field, that's the Antichrist. It'd be the same difference, man. You're, you're applying a name to something that the Bible doesn't apply a name to. You, it's, it's, it's just supposition. You're, oh, that's got to be, that's not what, the, listen, we're, we're trying to stay with what the book says, okay? Now, it, it's interesting to me if the Antichrist casts such a huge shadow over the modern church, yet he barely rates a mention in the scripture and then only by one apostle. Now, you've got to think about that for a second. Now, I mean, to me, we have blown the name Antichrist far out of proportion. Now, we, you're telling me we got over 4,000 books about this dude, and he's only mentioned four times in the Bible. Now, I, I want to give you four things that the Bible does not say about the Antichrist. Number one thing it doesn't say. The Antichrist, we've been told, is somebody that we need to talk about because he's hugely influential. But that's not what the Bible says about him. The Bible has hardly nothing to say about him. And again, I don't believe it's a him, I believe it's a them. That's what the Bible says. Now, if he's so important, don't you think that Jesus would have mentioned him at least one time? I mean, don't you think that the man who wrote most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, would have mentioned him at least one time if he's such a central figure in the last days? He's not even mentioned. Number two thing that we hear about the Antichrist that's not true. The Bible doesn't say the Antichrist is a world leader and he's got nuclear weapons. The Bible doesn't say that. Preachers say that. And they try to scare you to death. And they try to get altars full after they get through scaring you to death. But that's, that's not how you get born again. You understand, I'm telling you there was a day that I believed in all this stuff that I'm telling you now I don't believe in. I did. I had every, every teaching that Jack Van Ampey ever put out on the last days. I'm old enough, I ordered 33 long play albums of teachings. You don't even know what that is. Google it after. I mean, before cassettes. And inside the record would come a map you could unfold, and it had big red arrows coming down from the north when it showed me how that the USSR was going to attack Israel. And now there ain't even a USSR. And I got to redo the map, dude. And I studied thing after thing because I was fascinated by it and I was being fed that every Sunday. And, and, and as far as I was concerned in the early 80s, the Lord's going to come back any minute and I needed to try to figure out. And then we got all this, you know, stuff and now we got, you know, people, you know, talking on Facebook. We need to freshen up on the left behind videos because you'll know what to do. And here's mom and daddy got snatched and then the kids get off the bus and now they come home for their snack and mom and daddy ain't there because they're rapture taking place and now everybody's here. I tell you what should be left behind in the video stores, those videos called left behind. Because ain't none of that right. But it makes a lot of entertaining drama to watch it. And scare the Hades out of yourself. Anybody that gets birthed into the so-called kingdom on fear is not going to last, dude. 
I'm going to tell you that. Man, when I was an evangelist, I had five majors. They taught me when I was coming out of, out of uh, seminary school, our, our school, you know, as an evangelist, you know, traveling, you know. You know, the, the older preacher told me, he said, get you five red hots, son. Get you five red hots. I was like, what do you mean red hot? They get you five red hot sermons everywhere you go. You, 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 you preach them five red hots and learn them and preach them. So one of my red hots was on hell. Man, I could preach on hell. I, I get the deacon saved when I preached on hell. <laughs> I'm serious. I can fill the altars up now. I had three points on hell. Number one, there is a place called hell. Number two, men do go there. Number three, when they go there, they never leave. And, buddy, when I got through preaching that, everybody is scared. And then I get out of the call, here they come. Boy, they fill it up. I can fill up all of Man, I talk about when you're in hell burning and the nurse ain't going to come give you no more thing. And you think about last time you burnt your little finger and all that kind of stuff. And when you was in pain and you could call the doctor and they give you something, but ain't nobody going to give you nothing in hell. Y'all come pray. And then plus, I was a paramedic. I'm loaded with car wreck stories. You know what I'm talking about? I can tell you car wreck stories. I got 20 years of that. I can fill all her up. But you know what? You do all that you want to do. Jesus never used hell as an incentive to get anybody to follow him. And I don't want to go there right now, and I've talked about it one time in the past. And I preached a message called Good News About Hell, and boy, that caused a lot of hell. But uh, people ain't even educated enough to know even what the word means. Are you saying, you know, don't try to tell me what you think I believe, because you don't know. 80% of the time, 90% of the time, the word is translated from either Hebrew or Greek into the word hell, does not mean a place with a pitchfork do with shoveling coal and a fire burning. It means the grave. It means the grave. Very few times does it mean Gehenna, which is a place of burning. And, and when Jesus referenced it one time, he was talking about the city dump where they burned the trash. It just don't mean, and we've been fed so much stuff and we've heard it so long and so often now you know, you know, if 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 you want to believe that Antichrist didn't take over and he's you got to chop your head off and all that, then you just have at it because I mean you're still my brother and if you believe in Jesus you're gonna go to heaven, but you're gonna go worried, and I'm not gonna live like that because it's not true. It's it's just not true. Now, uh, the third thing, let me let me get through with these and I won't be done. The Antichrist, you know, we're told is gonna be a major role player in the last days. John said the Antichrist, or many Antichrists, were already at work in his generation, and they were on the earth 2,000 years ago. And Because he, he says, even now many Antichrists have appeared and are already in the world. That's what John said. That's what your Bible says. Uh, it, listen, if you think the Antichrist is a uniquely 21st century personality, then your thinking does not align with Scripture. Okay? Number four. The Antichrist is that little horn of Daniel 7, the prince of Daniel 9. He's the lawless man that Paul spoke of, and that's just what, all, you know, what you'll hear. Uh, and he's, he's about to bring about a great tribulation, and he's going to kill many. And in fact, you know, two-thirds of the whole world's population is going to be killed by this dude, and God's going to be behind it. Really? Hmm. How are you going to reconcile that with the grace of God? Jesus come to save life, not take it, no. And yet God's behind it pulling the trigger. Listen, this is a fact, and this is where I'm going to make a statement that a lot of you uh, will not believe, and that's okay. I, hey, that's okay. Because I can imagine if I was sitting there where you're sitting this morning listening to me, and I had been indoctrinated for decades on all this stuff, and a guy comes and takes a radical turn for, from that, and he's like, my God, that's, that's, not, that's not right. Well, again, keep in mind, you didn't come up with your belief system with the Bible. You come up with it with somebody teaching you something and telling you this is how it's going to be. And you bought into it and go, uh-huh, that's right. So just admit, just be man and woman enough to admit that, that you didn't come up with this on your own. 
Somebody sold you something, you bought it, you internalized it, and then you say, now that's what I believe. But you could not take your Bible and sit with me or anybody else that knows the Scripture and prove it by no means. Okay? And I don't mean that arrogantly. I, I'm just saying that the Antichrist in the Scripture is not what we've been made out to believe that he is. And I, and I just want to say this to you. I did a five-week teaching here a couple years ago on a Wednesday, Wednesday nights. I checked with Pastor Johanna this morning. So I, don't, I don't ever want to say anything that's not correct. But I did a five-week teaching here on Wednesday nights. Many of you were in attendance. We had a great attendance on that because I was going after something. And, and, and so what, what I was teaching on and proving to you by the Scripture is that there's not, going, there's not a great tribulation in your future. It's in your past. You, you don't worry about the whole world being flooded, do you? So you really don't believe there's coming a global flood again like Noah dealt with. You don't worry about that at night? Why? Why don't, why don't you worry about that? There you go. God promised he would never, that would never happen again. So you take his promise, you believe his word, and what does it do for you? It brings you peace. Now, there probably are some people that believe that and that the whole world's going to flood itself again, and they, they stay home and worry about it, you know, and stuff. And, 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 uh, but see, the, the thing about a lot of this stuff is, is all you're concerned about is your bunkers and your beans and your ammo as a believer. And you should be concerned about telling people about Jesus and the grace of God. And, and the reason I don't like this stuff so bad because it robs us of that. And, and, and we, we don't represent the kingdom of God or the hope of God, Christ in you, the hope of God. We, we, you know, and, and yet we tell them, uh, here's a God, he loves you, but if you don't serve him, he's gonna, you, this is what's going to happen to you. We, we make God out to be this God. This God says he comes to his bride, prospective bride, okay, a sinner. And he, and he looks at this sinner and he says, I love you with all my heart. And I have given my life for you to forgive you and for you to be my bride and for us to be one. And I want you to accept my invitation and, and, and be my bride. Kind of like salvation, right? Is that a fair picture? So I want you to be my wife, and, and I'm going to love you forever, and you're going to live in heaven with me, and it's just going to be wonderful. That, that's a pretty cool proposal, right? But then here he goes with this. He said, let me give you this addendum, though, to the proposal. But if you refuse me, you refuse to be my wife, then I'm going to torture you in hell forever. So... You love me, baby girl? Come on, let's get married. No, 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 uh-uh. That's the God you pushing. You, you can't dress it up. That's the God you pushing. And you wonder why the churches are so empty. That's a whole nother message. That's a joke. I'll probably find that one for you. Good news about hell. Oh, and you, you just don't know what it took. But what it took for me is the grace of God and an open Bible and an open heart. And I'm the kind of guy anyway that kind of challenges. I mean, I'm just not going to believe it just because you say it. There'd be so many things in my life I'd be robbed of if I, if I took the first no that came along. I mean, I was going to build a prayer cabin down in the, where we used to live way back in the, when I had the farm out in the country and we had a creek come through our property and I was going to build a cabin down there. It's going to be elevated because it flooded at times down there. But I mean, the county said, you can't build no cabin down here. There's a cabin down there right now. Because you don't take, I mean, there's what, just because you don't know how to do it, there's another guy that does. And it was, that was over like the septic says, no, you can't do this too well. Ah, come on, man. So I went over that dude's head to another dude, and then he told me all how to do it. And I came back and told that county worker how you do it. And there's a cabin there today. You know, all kind of things like that. So just because somebody says it and they scream it real loud or they go shun dice, shoot a mosquito, shoot a mosquito behind it, I still don't mean I'm going to buy into it, dude. Jesus in Matthew 24, and in that teaching I did, so I'm just saying if you're interested, we have a provision for you, and you don't have to agree with me, okay? I, I'm at peace with it. But my God is not God, so the tribulation is not something that I'm looking forward to, and I don't have to, but see, I don't want you teaching my grandbabies that they got to get the head chopped off. I don't want you injecting that lie into them. I don't want you to tell them that their future is bleak and hopeless 
and the Lord's about to come, and the Antichrist's about to take over, and he's going to start torturing people and chopping off heads, and he's going to do all this, and if you want to go with Jesus, get your head chopped off, and if you don't, then you're going to burn in hell. I don't want you telling my grandbabies that. Because I was fed that, and I know the torment that it put in my life, and it's not true. Now, there's two events that Jesus said will never happen again. One's a flood, and you don't worry about it because you believe God's word. There's a second one called the tribulation, and it's already happened. And I explained that verse by verse in that teaching, and you can call the church next week, and don't do it today because we ain't going to be here after a while. But, you know, you can call, get a hold of Pastor Johanna, leave her a message, and she'll get back with you. And you can get those CDs. And if you're interested and, you're, and your heart's open to the word of God, I go through Matthew chapter 24, verse by verse. When did the trip? Jesus made 10 predictions in Matthew 24 and a few of the other gospels references as well, Luke and so forth. That Jesus made 10 specific predictions about the tribulation, and, and all 10 of those were fulfilled to the people he was talking to in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed. Not one stone was left upon another. The babies were, all, all those things that Jesus said, all 10 of those things happened precisely and exactly. But we are ignorant of that because somebody come along and told us there's something in our future. Jesus was talking to the Jews, and in fact, in Matthew 24, when those disciples were gathered around his feet, and they said, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Jesus started answering them. He said, he, he said don't let anybody deceive you in regard to this. And then Jesus starts telling them, and he says this, very pointed. He said, this generation will not pass away until all these things. The generation that he was talking to and those dudes sitting right there, Jesus said this generation will not pass away until all these things that I'm telling you is going to happen. And yet what we do is preachers reach in there, pull that verse out, rewrite it like it says something different and says, well, he wasn't talking about that generation. He said this generation that he was talking to. To the guys that asked him the question, he said, this generation, know this, this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. He told them that. He told, that's why Jesus wept over one dude named Lazarus when he died. And then Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem because he said, if you'd only known what I've been trying to tell you, all this wouldn't have to happen. Jesus saw what was going to happen. There's Christian dudes that preach that Jesus, you know, allowed the temple and all that to be destroyed to paying the Jews back for crucifying him. Well, I guess it didn't work when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. Well, they know what they do. And so God goes, now nah, I ain't going to forgive them. I'm going to burn the place down in 70 years. Is that the God you serve? See, but I grew, that's anti-Semitic. That's, that's hating of the Jews. God's paying them back. Jesus warned those Jews that when you see these things, when you see these armies put an embankment around you, when you see, and who an army was talking about? talking about Rome. He told these Jews, don't pick a fight with these dudes. When you see them gathering, flee to the mountains. He told them how to save their lives. And, they, and the Romans surrounded Jerusalem, and at the time they surrounded it, there was almost 4 million Jews. And how do we know that? Because Josephus, the Jewish historian, was there. 4 million Jews. And, and, and per capita and per what happened, it was worse than the, the, the Holocaust with the Jews. And I'm not demeaning that at all. I'm just saying it was horrible what was happening inside Jerusalem. They cut that city off, and I mean, they starved to death in there. And, they, and when they did tear that wall down and come, they, didn't, they did just what Jesus told them they was going to do. They're not going to leave one stone upon another. They did everything. The abomination of desolation, everybody's got it future. They're waiting on Israel to rebuild a temple. None of that stuff's going to happen, dude. You just keep talking that stuff, and you don't even know what you're talking about. God says, in, listen, even in heaven there's not going to be a temple. Have you read Revelation? He said, he said there was no temple there. I saw no temple. For, no, for the Lord himself is the temple. There'll be no sun, for the Lord himself gives light. Read your Bible. But we've heard this, oh, oh, they're about to build a temple in Israel. Oh, the end is near. Oh, they got the red heifers and the goats, and they're, they're breeding them and getting them ready. Oh, really? And you know all that stuff? Satan is so smart, man, with that stuff, because he makes us look like a bunch of idiots, and what he does is he distracts us from the mission that's at hand. Tell people about the grace of God and the love of God, and we get caught. And we got people that's a whole lot more interested in the return of the Antichrist than they are the Christ. 
And they'll show up for a teaching about Antichrist, but they wouldn't give you a chicken dinner for the turn to talk about Jesus Christ. Because it's just another way to entertain yourself. But you can't scare people into the kingdom. They're not birthed like that. With cords of love, God said, I draw them. Now, I want to tell you something amazing about God that you might not know. If there was no hell and there was no fire and there was no devil, he's still worthy to be served. And if your whole deal about going to heaven is because you don't like the temperature at the other place, I'm not even sure you're born again, man. Because you've been birthed on fear. and that's, that, that's, that, There's nothing in the Bible about that, and Jesus never did that. And all you got is one parable, parable about the rich man and Lazarus, and you don't even know he was. You don't even know what it means. And boy, you don't come out with a doctrine. See, I used to just suck all that up, hook, ladder, and line, and sinker, and it all. I mean, I take it up. Mm-mm, not no more. About twenty years ago, I said, "Whoa, this ain't what it says here." Here we pray for the mind. Paul said you have the mind of Christ. Why well, I want to pray for something I got. More, Lord, we just need more of you. God says when you've received Christ, you've received the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How much did you get when you got saved? 20%? 50%? You don't even know. 70%. How much more do you need? The Bible says that I've given you everything. And I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And you've been given Christ. What more can you get from God? Oh, we just need more. Oh, you do? See, the myth of more is a big lie. We just need more of you. No, you don't. You've been given everything. You need to await to what you've been given. And you need to manifest more, and I do too. We need to manifest more. But as far as what you've been given, you've been given the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been made one spirit with the Lord. And if you're not, if you don't have his spirit, Jesus said you're none of mine. Good morning. Truth will make you mad or set you free one, whichever way you want to go with it. I, I'm just ending with this. I'm saying this. Hey, listen, you're not my if you still believe here's the average scenario of the average Christian. Okay. World's going to hell in a handbasket. We got the wrong person here, wrong person there, demons everywhere. I mean, it's killing wars, rumors of wars. Somebody just posted this week, wars and rumors of wars. Oh, that, really? <laughs> I mean, that just happened? Where have you been for the last thousands of years? There's always wars and rumors of wars. There's always these things. Oh, the earthquakes are increasing. Yeah, because you got a computer now to track them. I saw a place the other day, it had 140 in one day. They were all minor, but they were like, whoa, shaking. 140 in one day. I'm not saying they weren't there, but I'm just saying that, you know, they didn't have that 2,000 years ago. They couldn't go on their Apple phone. I mean, right now, if lightning hits, my watch will light up and tell me there's lightning within a 10-mile circle where I is. Because Poppy likes that in case my grandbabies are out, I'm going to protect them little fellas. All right, get in the house, lightning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because half time they'll be in the pool. <laughs> they like, oh, it's all right, Poppy. We get out the pool. You know what I'm saying? We live in a wonderful world in a lot of ways. But if you buy into the doom and gloom that is rampant right now, you're going to be distracted from, first off, the peace that God intends you to live your life with. And you're not going to be focused on being an, a, a, a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and telling people, yes, the, we, we live in dark times. There's difficult times. We're all having tribulations and stuff, and, and those things are going to happen. But the tribulation that you're worried about as a future event and getting your head shot and all that, that's in the past. That, was, that happened to the Jews, and Jesus, Jesus was not punishing them. God was not. Jesus told them how to save their lives, and they did not listen. He didn't tell them to flee to Jerusalem. He said, flee to the mountains. He said, you better pray that you're not pregnant in those days because it's going to be a rough journey for the moms that are pregnant. But he said, when you see those armies gathering around this city, flee to the mountains.
save your life. Don't pick a fight with these guys. But they would not listen. That's why Jesus was crying when he'd come into his triumphal entry into the city. You'd think it would be party, party, let's party. But Jesus started crying. They're all partying. But Jesus said, you don't know the time of your visitation. You don't understand what's going on here. You guys have been picking fights with Rome for years, and they're going to come, and they're going to destroy this city, and they're going to remove stone upon stone. And you got to understand, we sung this this morning about God ripping the veil in the temple. Remember that? And God did do that. He ripped that veil that separated the holiest of all from the holy place. It was God saying, this sacrificial system with the lambs and the goats and the bullocks, that stuff's done. I'm done with it. No more. Old covenant, gone. New covenant, in. My son's been resurrected. Right? You know what them Jews did right after that? They sewed that curtain back together, is what Josephus said. They said that curtain that hung between the holy place and the holiest of all with those gold cherubims on that purple curtain was the cloth and material, Josephus says, was over, he's a Jewish historian, not in the Bible, he was over four inches thick. They were so amazed, the priests were, that that, that cloth could be ripped like that, that they tested some of it, he said, by hooking four yoke of oxen together, and they tried to use those oxen to see if they could pull it apart, and they could not. Yet the Bible said God, it was ripped from the top to the bottom. God did that. You know what God was saying? Nobody's blocked from my presence now. Jew, Gentile, come, 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 and come, come, everybody can come. Now listen to this. This is what those priests did. After Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who shed his blood and was murdered on a cross and said, Father, forgive them. And he meant all of them and all of us. They don't even know what they're doing. And God did forgive them because he had forgiven them because Jesus' blood had been shed. And listen, they sewed that veil back together and they went in that temple again and they offered sheep and slit their throat and, and they offered sacrifice of blood animals for another 70 years. Now, under that old covenant, when, when just a couple of sons of, of Aaron went into the holy place and offered strange fire, they died immediately in the presence of God. Another time when David retrieved the ark and a, and a priest named Uzzah or Uzzah, the ark almost fell off the, the, the wooden cart and he put his hand to stop that from happening and he died instantly in the presence of God. And now you're telling me these priests sew that veil back up and they walk back in that temple again with a, with a bleeding sheep and a, and a goat or heifer. And they offer its blood. And you know what they were saying to God? Your son's death means nothing to us. His blood means nothing. We go back to what we were doing. This blood means something. This animal, but not your son. He's not your son. We reject him. And they all lived and they got to do their wrongdoing and go home and eat supper with their wives. And they none of them died. Can you imagine how blasphemous and how offensive that had to be into the nostrils of God for them to go in there and trample the blood of his son and offer their, their animal sacrifice and say, we choose this over him? And his, his blood was spotless, perfect, holy, without blemish. And yet they offered those animals right on top of that and said, we don't care. And nobody died. You know what it's called? Grace. It's an absolute screaming from heaven. Times have changed. Covenant has changed. You've all been forgiven, even if you don't know what you're doing. You've been forgiven. My son's blood has been shed. I took away the sin of the world, which includes you priests too, and that's why y'all going to be able to breathe, live, and go home tonight. Even though you're trampling the blood of my precious son under your feet and counting it an unholy thing. Yet God's mercy is everlasting. He, he, he endures. This is the God of grace. Now you want to portray him because you heard some dude get up with maps and charts and say this is what's going to happen. You know, so the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. He's going to start killing Christians. But don't worry about it You because know, a lot of Christians have been sold. Well, the rapture is going to come snatch you out your shoes and so you're going to miss it all. And then other Christians have been told, and then they've been told, you're going to miss the whole seven years, so it's going to be hell on earth for seven years. And then some, some other Christians said, no, you ain't going to miss all of it, but you're going to miss, the, you know, you're going to miss some of it. 
So you're going to have to be in the first three and a half years, and then after three and a half years, it's going to really get bad, and he's going to start out pretty good, and then he's going to make a turn, and then right after that, then, you know, the Lord's going to come in three and a half years and snatch us out, and then before it really gets bad, you know, then we're going to be gone. And then so we got three and a half years, and then after that, you know, it's going to be bloodshed, and the blood's going to come up to the horse's bridle, and it's just going to be killing, and two-thirds of the whole world's population is going to be destroyed. Hallelujah. Oh, enjoy your life and look forward to tomorrow. Go to work. And you, you, you didn't come up with none of that out of the Bible. You didn't. You didn't. Two great events. Noah's flood, never happened again. The great tribulation, never happened again. Jesus said it wouldn't. It would never be like again. It's already happened. But if you're mad at me and you want to go, I believe it's in the future, have at it. Just don't teach it at this house and then don't teach my grandbabies that. I'm not letting them go to your church and be indoctrinated by that lie. And I love you and all. God bless you, my brother in Christ. I don't hate you. I just don't want them. I don't want that. I don't want you injecting that in. I don't want, I'm, we're not doing that. They're not going to be tormented by that. That's religion. You can't prove it. You can't sit down with me with the Bible. You can't do it. It's just not there just not there my heart is for you to have the peace of God just we got plenty to go by with what the book says okay and what the Bible says don't you stand with me well that was my birthday message <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> you know I told my wife how many hours did I spend yesterday with God and over this message all day, she said. That doesn't, I, I'm not asking for, you know, an award or anything. But, you know, and she kept asking me, why are you, why are you taking so long? I said, because I'm wrestling over this. I said, I'm wrestling over this. It's so much easier for me just to preach about, you know, just God's grace, how much he loves you. And, and not, to, you know, just let it go and not address it. But I knew at the end of the day and spending time with God, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I'm concerned about you concerned about me I, you, you don't know what a radical departure I've had to do to just but I want to know what the Bible says not what you teach your, your being on it and mainly today just four times Antichrist I read y'all four scriptures it don't mean anything the popular culture or the church teaches now you can twist it and whatever and you can try to tell me that's the guy in Daniel and you can try to tell me that's the, that's the person in Revelation but that's your opinion it don't say that. It don't say that. And if you believe, if you just, in other words, if you bought in and say it's all future, then that, that's no different than somebody believing that the flood's future. And you live your life worried about every time it rains. And you live your life now worried about every time the news reports is bad, every time war's going on, every time this happens, and every time that happens. And I want to tell you, that's a miserable way to live your Christian life. And I want to tell you, God doesn't will that or want that for you. God said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. In spite of COVID, in spite of what's going on, God's got a wonderful future planned for you and your children and your children's children. And the Lord's going to come back one day. I personally believe that I'll still be on the earth breathing, but I've always thought that. Uh, you know, I, I believe the Lord's return is... It's, it's soon, but what is soon to God? He said the last days was 2,000 years ago. So what do I know? But I, I, I believe the Lord, he don't have to check with me. He can come when he wants to. I'll just leave that with him. But until he comes, I'm just going to be busy about my father's business. When he said occupy till I come, that didn't mean sit on the park bench and wait for the rapture. What if I told you I'm coming to your house and I'm coming soon? What are you going to be doing at the house? Cleaning up, waiting on me to get there. What you going to be doing? Looking out the window. Every time you hear the door crack or a vehicle, you look out, you think it's me. A lot of Christians live their life like that. In, in, in our hearts, we, we want to live our hearts expecting the Lord to come, but in what we do for God, we want to live like he's not coming in our lifetime. And that's the way to live in wisdom. And don't be swayed by all the current events that's going on. 
And don't be buying in all just because some dude puts it on there. Man, if you want, anyway, don't do it. But you go on your, your Facebook, just type in Antichrist. Oh, my God, it, the videos that's coming. And if you listen to these guys, they will scare you to death. And you will lose hope in the future. And you'll lose hope. And you'll start feeling that just drain out of you. I want to tell you that's not what God's plan is for your life. The Lord's going to come back. Yeah. In this world, there's a lot of bad things going on. There's a lot of bad stuff going on right now. And I ain't denying none of it. And there's a ton of stuff I ain't happy about at all. But it's always been that way. But Jesus is still on the throne. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is still on the throne. And, 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 and you have to work at it to focus on that truth. Grace of God is still real. God's mercy is everlasting. His covenant is unending. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you for life. I pray that if there's one person that has not received the grace of God that has appeared to all men, whereby they would be saved. Lord, let that grace flood their heart now that they would see and know how much you love them. You have given your life on the cross for them. You were buried and resurrected, and you are alive forevermore. I pray that you would do what the Apostle Paul told that jailer when he said, What must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. Lord, help us to believe upon you. And I pray for all of those that are believing on you right now, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. We love you guys. God bless you. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you.